Yeah, Dylan, are you hard and on cocaine? Because I am. Oh, yeah. I've got so much fucking testosterone that is not even affecting me. The fact that I'm dead of cocaine use. Yeah. Welcome to 1988, the year where everyone after the year of 1987 said, you know what? This cocaine feels good. I'm going to do it till I'm, I don't know, however long I get to live four years old. I am Dylan God and I am John Dick Ebersol is hard Hastings. Let's fucking <laughs> oh, yeah. put on a sweater with mallards on it. Time to talk about excess in the 80s. Everyone suck Vince's dick. It's time to cheat on Linda. I just want to do a quick overview yeah. of the research that we received from the delightful Hobson. Um, I think my favorite part is essentially, in the, I'm paraphrasing what he wrote, but he's basically like, this is the year Vince started cheating on Linda aggressively. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Does he know that, though? Because I think Vince McMahon, it's 1987. Linda McMahon, at this point, what is Linda McMahon doing? She's like in Connecticut all the time. Vince is on the fucking traveling hog show. It's basically, yeah, he's, yeah, Vince is on the fucking alpha train to fucking boner town. Uh, this is... He's probably having so much uh, extramarital sex that he fucked a bunch of like the wrestlers just to try something different. Yeah, yeah, he reached that point. He's reached that point where he has to have sex with a man just because he needs to be rem- yeah. reminded of the difference in the day. Yeah, it's the ginger because he's eating so much sushi. He needs to cleanse exactly his Exactly correct. Um, he, he turned to the ultimate warrior on the bearskin rug, which is, this is, by the way, where that rumor, that rumor stems from this year at some point, supposedly him and the ultimate warrior had sex on a bearskin rug, which I mean, ladies and gentlemen, pro wrestling is the best when it comes to rumors because I know that is the honky tonk man doing muscle relaxants mixed with a hallucinogenic and Jake the Snake Roberts smoking crack and they're like I don't like the ultimate warrior and then the honky talk man is like yeah and he fucked Vince McMahon on a bearskin rug and they were like well that's that's our truth now we believe that <laughs> I still think that the honky talk man as I've said before and I said on the honky talk man episodes he just was like, his first four shoot interviews were probably stuff that happened. And then once it got to number five, he thought, you know, I really want this 50 bucks, but I've run out of things that actually happened. Time to start having some fun. And to say this, you don't have sex on a bearskin rug. You either make love or you fuck. All they right? did both. Those are the two things you do on a bearskin rug. And you would know because you, you've had, what name all of the different dead animal hides you've had sex on. I know about the bearskin rug. Ostrich feather. Bee. You had sex on a bunch of dead bees. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I sewed a bunch of bee- dead bees together. Of course, awful time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, st- <laughs> stinger's still in there. I've, <laughs> she died. She died. I lived. Uh. <laughs> Not allergic either. Just always st- every time. Stinging. It was just cumulative. That's what happens. Hey man, you take your own risk. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. It was a cumulative. She by the by the midway point she had uh, become allergic. Um, and I thought, you know what? Who cares? Yeah, Dylan, not a friend to the not a friend to the feminist, as it turns out. I am. Uh, oh yeah, not a friend of the bee either. I'm fucking. I personally brought over those murder <laughs> hornets, and I will see the end of bees as we it's know it. It's a weird it. thing. Dylan is not a political man, as he once told me, oh, I vote, but I vote for this dick. And then he showed me his ballot, and it was just he had drawn a dick on it. <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, why? What's that noise coming from your suitcase? And I'm like, it's not like there's a bunch of hornets in there. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone laughed. 
and then I killed both of the security <laughs> guards. Where where were you when you were having this conversation with the security guards? I was accustomed <laughs> with my carry-on of just hornets. I will see the end of the bumblebee as we know it, goddammit. That's what we're using all the Patreon money for. Get more murder hornets into this fucking yeah. country. God we're damn using it. it to give money to Conrad Thompson and to fucking... By murder, murder hornets. Oh, I need to see. Yeah, we get we're we're giving we spent some money on ads uh for Conrad Thompson because we wanted him for when that money gets donated to something that's creepier than the Libertarian Party. We want to be endorsing. Yeah, we want to make. Yeah, we want the proto Libertarian movement. We don't even believe in roads. <laughs> yeah, only Conrad Thompson gets rolled roads, and he gets a roll. He just gets a system of hills that he gets to roll yeah, yeah, down yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's a fucking chunk. Oh. We stand with Bagwell on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I don't know exactly what happened. All I know is I've been recommended a YouTube video that says Buff Bagwell on Conrad Thompson. I've, okay, shoots on Conrad Thompson. Which when it's talk about Buff Bagwell, who knows what the shoot? I have means, watched. You know I, mean? I have watched that shoot interview, and it's the one of the few times where. When someone is defending themselves, they make the other person's case. Have you ever watched, been in that situation where you hear the other side of the story and you're like, I'm not with you. I'm with the other guy. If that's your side, <laughs> yeah, you were wrong. See, my problem with, with, with Conway Thompson is he tried to not hire me and I wanted him's money. <laughs> you you made that up and that's, that's, that's essentially the gist. He wanted me to do work for my money and I did not want to do that. <laughs> god bless buff bagwell and his weird fake calves certainly people that would have had fake calves had they were around vince oh, mcmahon 1988 he is standing on top of mount everest eating cheeseburgers and taking a shit because he heard mount everest wasn't in america god yeah. damn it <laughs> ah this is how i behave out of america he's just shirt cocking and shitting like a horse ah yeah yeah, yeah. Ah. He killed both the Sherpas that got him to the top of the mountain yeah. <laughs> and then took a took a helicopter down and just free littered all over the fucking yeah. country. That's what fucking you should do when you climb well, Mount Everest. Well, he didn't directly kill the Sherpas. It's just that he spent so much time jacking off on everybody he found on the trail up, of, up to Mount Everest <laughs> <laughs> that they died. Yeah. Ah, 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 ah. I, listen quietly. My cum sounds like haku when I uh, shoot. What's... <laughs> see people think that it's vince mcmahon doing blow that makes him want to do no holds no. barred and later on and and this is not talked about because it does not fail a random sugar ray leonard uh boxing match but this is vince mcmahon just not at the height of his power but it's like he's not 2002 vince mcmahon but he's getting there like he the because the the downswing doesn't start till 1991, and something very important happens here. I think is where we should start this 1988, which is steroids are made illegal. Yes. So they hire Doctor George Zahorian, and Vince McMahon hires Doctor George Zahorian to be his personal fucking doctor, baby. But, oh, but again, I, I want to just, I want to. Of course you do, because as we all, Dylan, he said it a lot of times on the program, but we've had to edit it out. Dylan, as he said before, he goes, I take more steroids than the warlord just to recover from how hard I fuck. He said that so many times. <laughs> yeah. Trying to get these balls down to a decent <laughs> yeah, size. How is he going to wear trousers? Um, yeah. If you don't, if you didn't take steroids, you would have to be just, you'd have to be in a kilt at all times. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but, but hang on, hang on, hang on. Sorry to interrupt. I know that makes life hard for you when you're editing, but I want this point to be made. It's an amazing 
karmic fucking circumstance. Vince McMahon is able to hire private doctors for his company because 1988 is when they become entertainment. He finally is out from underneath athletic commissions. He has finally declared that they are sports entertainment. That's where this phrase comes from is this year. That means that it's not state-mandated doctors and officials. It's him providing medical staff for his athletes, which means they can hire the most doctor feel-good, doctor feel-goods they can find. Where do you practice medicine? The Bahamas, baby. And I don't own a go, but I do own... <laughs> Where do I practice medicine? You ever seen the movie Top Gun? I played a doctor in that. <laughs> Uh, you want to know where I got my medical degree? <laughs> From your mother's cunt, bud. <laughs> Smell my fingers. This is the interesting part because he would have probably had to hire Zahorian as a doctor. Like, if this doesn't happen at the same time, if he doesn't say it's fake and then steroids become illegal in the same year, then he probably hires Zahorian specifically as a doctor as part of the athletic commission in some state, and then the U.S. has a stronger case against him, but he doesn't, so they don't. It's very interesting. So much of this is just dumb luck and timing. It's absolutely true. It's also dumb It's dumb luck in a variety of ways, which is Vince McMahon's also showing his hubris in that why wouldn't I hire a doctor, feel-good doctor, to provide me with steroids? I... A man who is not an athlete at the time I am a not good color commentator, but I need to be more in shape than the killer bees. It's very interesting that literally only Vince McMahon is the only announcer he's ever employed that was like way bigger than the people that they would interview. Absolutely. Although during this point, to be honest, if you notice, he only has Mean Gene interview people because you want to make it look like, obviously, the interviewer is twice the size of the wrestler and not just be like, look how fucking ripped this interviewer is. He's interviewing a small child. It's absolutely that. This is also, 1988 is also the time of, it's the beginning of the split of, this is when Vince is now starting to stop listening to it, starting to stop listening to advisors. All of the success of 1998 is based on the advice of other people. All of the problems with 1988 are based on Vince McMahon purely thinking this is a good idea. Yes, and this is when he starts to like weirdly change people's gimmicks. And to be honest, the first ones that he does change, which the major uh, debut this year is the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase... He knocked that one Holy out of the shit, park because he? he took fucking, yeah, he took boring old Ted DiBias and turned him into the million dollar man. And it works so well that he's like, well, I guess I'm the fucking genius of all geniuses. Let's fucking rip loads of these The other sinks. thing you have to remember is at the same time he's doing the million dollar man and Mr. Perfect is also this year. Um, he's also doing the Red Rooster. Now, Bruce Pritchard will have you believe that's because Terry Taylor's the cock of the walk. I believe that it's Terry Taylor's an asshole, and they were like, we hate this guy so much, let's give him the worst gimmick we can think of. Yes, and this is also like these weird punishment gi- uh, gimmicks are coming in. Like, Akeem the African Dream is this year because the one-man gang goes, hey, I need to go take care of my business. And then Vince goes, but you're going to work with Hogan. And one-man gang goes, no, I don't give a fucking shit. And do you know what one-man gang is? It's the white guy. <laughs> Still alive. Oh, is he? That's great. 60 years old, six foot nine, baby. 
This guy's a one percenter twice. Fuck yeah. Go ahead, fucking Crucer fucking Bill or whatever his, his Memphis name was. Uh, also, this is 1988 is the time when the WWF has two different wrestlers named to mock Dusty Rhodes. Virgil and Akeem the African Dream are both just yep. making fun of Dusty Rhodes. Two, two salary checks are cashed bi-weekly to let Dusty know, Rhodes know he's a punk bitch. Did you understand? And wildly successful. Oh, both those gimmicks were... Because people forget this, but Akeem the African Dream and the Big Boss Man, the Twin Towers, were... They were, of course, just a side to the Mega Power storyline, but they were necessary, where it's like, look, these guys are fucking big. Also... If they're fu- if these guys are arguing, they're not gonna be able to beat these fucking large guys. Yolo. Yeah. This is also like the start of the Mega Powers, so we should go through. Let's go through chronologically. January. Um. <laughs> I also want, I just want to also quickly point out this is also when uh, Dick Ebersole uh, is still very much a part of production decisions for the WWF. He's very much involved in it, and that's phased out through this year because of a couple of situations that occur. Go ahead. YOLO. So what do they do in January? They fuck Jim Cor- uh, Jim Crockett promotions hard. Yes, they do, baby. They fucking they fucking lay Jim Crockett down on a bed of roses and then they eat him out and then you know what? They never But guess fuck who him. put those bed of roses together? It was Dylan Gott. So what's underneath those beds of roses? That's right. Hundreds of dead bees. Bees hundreds and murder hundreds hornets. Hundreds of dead bees and living murder hornets. Yep. <laughs> A suitcase full of fucking murder hornets. Dylan Gott special. Uh, Dylan Gott, of course. Um, um, oh, round two. Yeah, here's the thing that needs to be uh, remembered about this. So, the year before, Survivor Series fucks Starcade hard, and Jim Crockett Promotions does not fucking learn from that fucking mistake. They don't try again if i'm jim crockett promotions and by the way they already have an overall deal with the highly successful uh cable conglomerate uh ted turner instead of just going and they learn this eventually they, they instead of going fuck vince we'll just put everything on free tv and make them special events we'll lose the money make it up in ad revenue and fuck him because we will not lose our audience to him by going to cable providers for all of that fucking overhead we'll just do a million clashes they do the stupidest thing possible. They promote a bunkhouse stampede battle royal in Nassau, in fucking Nassau County in Long Island. What, like, oh, here's a place that doesn't give a shit about cowboys and doesn't know who the fuck the Midnight Express is. Let's do a big, shitty-ass building where no one's going to watch it and Dusty will be the only definitive winner on a fucking show. Oh, not a good program. Yes, and Jim Crockett obviously is... is- Suffering from a lot of things. Uh, Magnum TA is uh, fucking crippled, so now they have to switch who they're going to hand over the company to. And they fall ass backwards into a great replacement, obviously. I don't think that's talked about enough, is how amazing Sting was for how many years that man was a top-level performer. He will never get the fucking... He'll never get what uh, due he's owed because obviously he was in the competition for the longest time to WWE. What is never talked about is you have to, and this is unheard of in wrestling. Sting maintains his popularity of being a white hot, I fucking like this guy babyface from this year until the closure of WCW. Yeah, he's um he's John Cena, but people yeah, like he's, him. 
He's what the WWF want Roman Reigns to be. Oh, it's nice that guy's here. He really is. You, there's something about Sting where you just goddamn Here's like also, but, but I, the other I can thing explain is, to you exactly what it is. Uh, Sting, the huge advantage of Sting is Sting was protected in this weird way, which was he wasn't always featured, but he was always talked about. It's something that the WWF even starting was very good at with Hulk Hogan and has never been good at again, which is we'll talk about this guy, but you're not always going to see him. So it's exciting when he's there. The reason why we're all happy Edge is back is because we haven't seen Edge in for fucking ever. So it's like, oh, that's fun. Yeah. Well, the other thing about this is, uh, if you want to say this about Jim Crockett, certainly is Vince McMahon uh, take took the risks. I don't think that is talked about enough as he took the risks to become a worldwide product. And obviously here he is. And Jim Crockett just doesn't want to admit that they serve one specific market, a market that's very big, better than Vince McMahon does. So just stay in that market. And then in the competing markets where you have a bit of an advantage, such as Philadelphia is one major one that always preferred NWA, just still go to Philadelphia a lot and be like, see, people in the Northeast love Ric Flair, blah, blah, blah. It's ab- it's absolutely true. And it's all it's also very interesting because the WWF couldn't go into Crockett territory, supposedly, until after WCW was closed. They couldn't yeah, statistically sell enough tickets to justify the travel until they the fucking weird mutated version of this promotion was dead and buried. Yeah, and that's even with a top baby face that's from the South proper. Yeah, but he's not from our South. He's from Texas. Those guys have too many Mexican people. We don't like that. We're Carolina. <laughs> We're so racist. We R- Ric Flair, a man from Minnesota, the most liberal state in the union, came here and said the bad, bad words. But 3.5 buy rate for Starcade and Roy- the Royal Rumble, which is the real story here, is invented. The Royal Rumble is invented just out of spite and becomes the... Second most look for uh, anticipated and some people's most anticipated, some hardcore fans, certainly. I mean, I'm not one of them, but the Royal Rumble is amazing. It's kind of like the start of Christmas it's the best. season for wrestling fans. It's, it's, the, it's the greatest. What's even funnier is it takes them another six years to make the Royal Rumble mean something. Up until 1993, I think it's Yoko is the first one. Oh no! Flair wins the title. Yeah, Flair wins the title, and also Sid. Sid, no, yeah, Flair wins the title, and then yeah, that's the ninety-two. Yeah, so not no, that's ninety-two. Is Flair wins the title, and then ninety-three is the first time it means you get a title shot at WrestleMania. It took them six years to be like, oh, we should make this mean something because it goes Duggan, and then Hogan has a hot streak of just being the champion and winning the Royal Rumble for no reason. <laughs> But that makes sense because it's like, oh, the winner gets a title shot unless the champion wins and the champion just won because Hulk Hogan fucking wins everything. It must pose, baby. Beauty, beauty, beauty. So, but this obviously gives, then this is the funny thing where it's like AEW right now as we record this on the goddamn day of May 16th of 2020, AEW right now, it may not be a super big a competition to the WWF, but you can't say that they're not a great competition because basically AEW is kind of comfortably 
Cody Rhodes is comfortably doing what Jim Crockett did, but just not, I don't know if you want to say, but like not really wanting more than that, just wants to do good Southern wrestling or just good indie Southern wrestling is the hybrid, I guess they've decided on. And that'll push WWE to do better stuff. Uh, I absolutely agree. It's also AEW has very much learned they are going, they are doing the smart thing of they return to places where there is success. They don't lean heavily on being an international brand yet. It's again complete it's a weird comparison to make because it's such a different media landscape. But AEW is also very smartly not trying to compete with Vince. They're trying to be an alternative to Vince, which is what Crockett should have done. Instead, the WWF gets to both be the winner and the alternative to Crockett because Crockett doesn't have the advantages of all this production staff, doesn't have the advantages of all this production knowledge from Dick Ebersole. And they also have they also keep falling into traps of how they position themselves. The Royal Rumble is such an interesting alternative to the bunkhouse stampede because no one had seen a Royal Rumble done that way where you don't have all the wrestlers in the ring. Now that's how you do a, a battle royal basically. But then back then it, that was crazy to the point Vince didn't want to do it. Dick Ebersol was the one who heard Pat's idea after he had pitched it to Vince and was like no, that's a television special. That's a great idea. And Vince McMahon, who supposedly, supposedly, and I don't remember where I heard this, but it was some wrestler said it, which is Vince McMahon basically did that special to be like, see, Pat, it's not going to work. And then it did. And then it was like, oh, I'm a buffoon. Or they did a test run and it was like, oh, that's not going to work. And then it got over like crazy. And they're like, oh, that's brilliant, actually. Yeah, he just needs, and everyone needs, if you're in the charge of a company, someone who will uh question you and you respect which he hasn't had literally almost since dick eversall um february or pat patterson or bruce go ahead yeah march 5th uh wwe debuts the main event on nbc spinoff of saturday night's main event it is pri- uh, wrestling in prime time for the first time on, on network television pardon me since 1955 and the main event earns a 15.1 rating and a 12 share. That amounts to about 33 million people that watch Pro Wrestling, the highest rated wrestling show of all time. The, sorry, the highest rated American wrestling show of all time. That, of course, is the event where there's a schmoz, Andre pins Hogan to win the title. The title is held up, forcing that beautiful, beautiful tournament at WrestleMania and the twin referees. The YOLO. fucking most WWF... But such a fucking good fucking shocking reveal. Because it's the oh first time. Oh, my God. And this is, like, they're on fire as far as storylines go this year. Because, like, they just start, like, they're just putting the wheels into the mega powers colliding. Um, and it's such a waste, in my opinion, such a waste for wrestling fans year later, years later to have that awesome storyline culminate at the trump plaza where it's just people who are <laughs> who are co-kung over waiting for their dinner and then they get their dinner and leave yeah you have to like this uh so we're building towards wrestlemania 4 this shows by the way the difference of all the good ideas dick ebersole and pat patterson going no do this becomes a legacy event for his company um pat patterson and a bunch of other territorial guys going can we do this i know that the hebner twins are available and also, by the way, fun sidebar, little fucking screw to fucking um, Jim Crockett. Earl Hebner was the head referee of Jim Crockett, and he no-showed to ta- to go join the WWF. Like, he didn't call. He just showed up on television, and it that made it that much crazier 
because they didn't want... And so my theory is Vince didn't want the NWA to leak, oh, both of these guys left, or something like that. It might have gotten out. They He just showed up, and it was fucking crazy. Oh, the twin referee thing rules. It was amazing. So you can look at the... You can rewatch the event, but there's so much confusion... And it plays perfectly into the Ted DiBiase character of he just bought the fucking world title off of Andre because he couldn't beat Hogan. So the ultimate shithead thing to do is just get someone big to beat him and then buy the title off of him. It was great. It's a great special. It plays just as well years later. And if you watch it, they use Jake the Snake Roberts's uh, theme music to show a Hulk Hogan fucking workout video. Also, I'm going to get... I'm going to fucking do a bit less steroids so I can get myself down to Hulk Hogan size and make my own workout videos that aren't like, you can do this too. It'll be like, you can't do this. Fuck yeah, off Yeah, Dylan is, cr- is fit. It, like, he, what he does, he works out in a garage where his uh, uh, various people that he lives with just smoke weed and talk to him about the Toronto Maple Leafs. And let me tell you what that makes you. Hard as fuck. Yeah. I have smoothies and someone's like, oh, is that protein powder? I'm like, no. Too much Viagra. <laughs> I don't have protein problems. Dylan, Dylan's weird in that he just got his driver's license, and for some reason he believes the only way to drive is with an erection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to have a backup. Put your hand on the wheel. You know what I mean? Nice. So, obviously, <laughs> Vince McMahon is very, very high on uh, Ted DiBiase because he came up with the character, and he sees himself as the Million Dollar Man, which people have said, of well, course. Well, he says that, Yeah. I was going to say, if he had been a wrestler, that would have been his character, which is funny because he later becomes a wrestler, and he basically becomes the late 90s version of the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. That's true, actually. That's totally true, because the Kiss My Ass Club is totally something that, like, instead of DiBiase, oh, I'll pay you if you can do this thing, and then you can't do the thing, I don't give you the money. He just is, oh, I'll pay you if you do this thing, here's Kiss My Fucking Ass, buddy. (laughs) The Suck My Ass Club. It's real good. Also, there's nothing better than the fact that Lou Fez references it in his Hall of Fame speech. And no, I didn't join any club for... Uh... <laughs> cool. Guys, do yourself a favor. The Lou Fez Hall of Fame speech is a real sleeper hit because he also does this thing where he keeps forgetting Vince McMahon's name and being like, uh, Mr. Uh, McMahon, who's that, Greg? And he's like, Vern, you have the worst com- comedic timing of any human being in the world. Ah, uh, that fella. Who's that feller? Oh, it's fucking great. <laughs> you say Luthez or Vern, Vern Gagne? Gagne? Pardon me, not Luthez. Pardon me. Okay, Luthez. Luthez. Luthez would never do an acceptance speech for physical man. He'd be like, I saw someone go on the first rope. That makes it not wrestling. Now it's a goddamn fucking salsa. Is it a salsa competition or is it wrestling? Uh, I, I Also, if Luthez showed up, he'd refuse to use a microphone. I'm a man. A man projects, damn it. <laughs> I don't want a plaque. I want a ham sandwich. No sauce. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I'll eat it outside. Uh, I would not use a microphone. It's cylindrical in nature, which looks like a penis. And my wife will think that I'm one of her. One of those guys who's like, I've been married to my wife 80 years. How old are you? 81. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, how old is your wife? 62. I saw her mother before she before she became <laughs> pregnant. I pointed at her and I said, "Whatever comes out of you is mine, madam." Yeah, he said. I said dibs. <laughs> Shotgun. Oh, gross! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucking isn't disgusting. It, isn't it just naughty? I'm a naughty boy, Dylan. Ooh, so they're starting obviously the mega powers, and 
This is the inaugural edition of Clash of the Champions for Jim Crockett. Uh, this is Flair battling Sting to a 45-minute draw that absolutely makes Sting. And they're competing with WrestleMania head-to-head on the day of WrestleMania 4. JPC, uh, JCP was considered to obviously have the far superior critical product, but obviously, also, who gives a shit about the critics? This is the 80s. No one's going like, ooh. <laughs> I really thought Tully really gave it in that third match. Everyone's like, no, I want to see I want to see the big boss man come out with his goddamn stick, hit somebody. I'm happy. That makes me happier than these two. It's, it's Dave versus Steve. They're both wearing cowboy boots. If that's the first time watching it, you can't tell them apart. They're going to wrestle for 35 minutes. Yeah, no, I want to see Butch Reed just be so charismatic without even being given an interview segment. And then I want to see Ricky the Dragon Steamboat have one of the worst interviews ever in a deluxe box with his wife and child. And you can just see in Ricky's body language all he's thinking is, I got to divorce this woman. (laughs) WrestleMania 4 gets 585,000 buys. Uh, just over 19,000 were on hand to see the action from the uh, Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City, New Jersey, which is so funny because it's like Atlantic City would have been such an amazing place for them to hold an event in 1981. But 1988, it's just like just a bunch of guys smoking cigarettes totally would be like, I like this Bob Backlund. He doesn't even touch your back. <laughs> No back touching. Uh, this is also, to paraphrase Dylan's joke about hearing someone say very penis, this event is very Trump and very McMahon. A couple of things. Yes. V- Vince McMahon is getting guaranteed money. Donald Trump is holding it in a uh-huh. convention center that's not called Trump Plaza. He's nowhere near the casino. Is the Atlantic City Convention Hall, and he just went, no, it's Trump Plaza. Put up the fucking banners. Ch- fuck you. Like, bear in mind, like this is... Trump in the middle of losing all of his money and bankrupting a shitload of construction companies in Atlantic City. Trump is photographed with a known mobster at this event who he claims to have not known. And then that photo was shown during the 2016 presidential election. This is the beginning of Vince McMahon and and Donald Trump's fucking friendship. How the fuck they became friends because Donald Trump's a weird teetotaler and Vince McMahon is not. I'll tell you how they became friends. They both saw just a woman walking and went, I don't respect her. And then they full on made out. (laughs) I think they became friends because this is the other thing is Vince McMahon, I guarantee, doesn't drink that like he doesn't drink that much and when he does cocaine is just so we can do more work do you know what i mean it's like i like this it makes me work faster like it's just probably what it is where he's like i got nine things done they're all done wrong but i did nine things i love this yeah, drug like, and it's also been the best is that they're like you can find them on youtube all of the different photos of trump throughout his there's one in particular where he has the taco bowl for cinco de mayo when he was trying to when he was running to be president and one of the drawers is open, and it's just filled with Sudafed and other like pharmaceutical speed products. So yeah, I guarantee both of them are <laughs> big fans of uppers. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. You have to be if you're fucking up like 18 hours a day, 20 hours a day. So this is the other thing. Obviously, uh, people are ancillary in- in- interested in the event. Jake the Snake Roberts strikes Ivana <laughs> with the snake. at the time. Trump with, yeah, with Damien. Scared the fucking shit out of her, and uh, Heenan claims the snake made uh, Donald, sorry, made Jake Donald's favorite wrestler, and Ivana told her bodyguard he should have shot the fucking (laughs) snake. 
Which would have been insane if you shot Davian and all these kids just start crying. I mean, how good would that have event been? And also, here's the crazy thing of then it would have hurt Vince's business. Now, he would have they, that would have spiked the raw rating like you've never seen. What happened at the last WrestleMania? Uh, a fucking snake got shot. It's now been on World Star Hip Hop for 14 minutes. It's gotten... 11 billion views. Yeah, I'm going to fucking watch that show. That show sounds, that sounds fucking good. <laughs> so, obviously, Macho Man wins the title here. Um, he's just a placeholder because they, Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan, that being, are going to film Cocaine, I mean, the movie. It's the greatest movie um, of all time. If you have, have you seen No Holds Barred, Dylan? Uh, I have, yes. But I want to say one thing before we get into No Holds Barred, which is, Hulk Hogan in the most Hulk Hogan move of all time is supposed to just like go film No Holds Barred or take some uh, respite. Um, but instead, what he does is he keeps working house shows with Andre um, just so he can basically not have Macho Man be the star of the show. That is not based on anybody uh, but my own opinions. But that is just such a Hulk Hogan thing to do where it's like, yeah, you're the Macho Man and whatever, but I'm still fucking Hulk Hogan and this is still my goddamn show. So I got to let people know before I go away. John... Let's talk I no love this barred. movie. I own the VHS. I refuse to own the DVD. This movie should only be watched on VHS. You need the hiss noise to really make it fucking sing. <laughs> no Holds Barred. Uh, who are the ghostwriters of No Holds Barred, you're all asking? Those ghostwriters are Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon, who were given the script by a Hollywood screenwriter, and they're like, this isn't what we're looking for. First of all, why isn't there a scene where our Ted Turner avatar hires some people to gang rape a woman and Hulk Hogan then comes in and makes them shit their pants. Um, I'm not going to put that in a movie. Yes, there is a sexual assault in this movie because that's how you showed people were bad in the 80s. If you were bad at writing, you just go, well, why don't they just sexually assault someone? And then and then Vince McMahon said, I don't know, whatever, yeah, sure. And by the way, you're like, oh, are you guys being hyperbolic for the purposes of comedy? Nope, speaking the truth. Uh, there is another scene where also... Who uh, who is a uh, who's one of the mentor figures in the movie, Dylan? And also the comic relief. Do you know the name of the actor? Because it's gonna blow your fucking mind. Don't look it up. I can hear you looking it up. Uh, fuck. Stan Hansen. Yes, Stan Hansen is in the movie for some unknown reason. Never appeared in the WWF. Filmed No Holds Barred. Uh, he. Yeah, he goes into a bar, sees two guys pissing, teeny and he goes, wangers. Teeny It's fucking phenomenal. He's covered in chewing tobacco, and he just fucking screams and swears and drinks a lot of beer. Uh, Stan Hansen, by the way, greatest approach to partying on the road ever, which was, I could only have, I couldn't ever drink hard liquor because that uh, would affect me getting up and doing leg exercises before breakfast. Which I'm just like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> That's a real man, though. Because you can't drink... This is the funny thing where it's like, hard liquor's got too much fucking sugar in it, so my hangover will be bad. I'll just have eight <laughs> yeah. beers. Stan yeah. Hansen. Um, I agree with him. But listen, I'll, I'll, I'll sit and have a beer with you, but I don't want any of your liquor. Um, then uh, other fun uh, people appear in this movie are... It's also the appearance of Tony Tiny Lister, that Vince McMahon is, of course, I'm going to turn this tall actor into a movie star or into a professional wrestler. And it does not work, not even a little bit. Why the fuck are you doing that? Oh, yeah, and then and then Tony Lister the whole time was just being like, can you just tell everyone I'm not gay? Like, that was pretty much... He just kept saying, I'm not gay, because I guarantee Tony Lister uh, come from back, at that time had come from a background where he's like, oh, wrestling... Like, a lot of people watch wrestling four seconds and go, oiled up guys play fighting, that's gay, it's the 80s, gay is bad. 
and he was just out of his way to be like, I'll take your money, but I'm not going to fuck any of you. And everyone was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but go for for it. Because Bruce Pritchard was the point man on this guy. So there's uh, something to wrestle this episode all about Tony, tiny Tony Lister. And much like Vince McMahon, huge dude, ripped the fuck, but not Not an athlete athlete at at all. Uh, and also we'll get more into the events that he participated in because that's next year because this is just the filming of the movie, which was uh, the writing and then filming, which basically entailed Vince McMahon and, and Hulk Hogan. All they really talk about in their books are Hulk Hogan just talks about filming it, then goes in-depth about how hard him and Vince worked out, and then they drank beer, which is just like, what a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> I mean, we'll, t- we'll get into it, obviously, because we'll get into it, obviously, because, um, by the way, 11% on Rotten Tomatoes, no holds barred. But uh, no, uh, no holds barred. Fucking this is crime. That movie is fucking amazing. Here's the plot. <laughs> this is in uh, 1989. So let's save our fucking squirt for this. For, for when the they debut? Episode. All right. I just want to say this right now. That movie uh, ha- is literally a propaganda film against Ted Turner. It's about a... Just If you haven't watched it, watch it this week for next week. And notice, the bad guy is... For no reason, just the owner of a broadcast network that's trying to take over wrestling and make it commercial. Essentially, he's just like, ah, I need to slander Ted Turner. Here's how I do it. (laughs) Well, that's, yeah. Well, so I guess we'll talk a bit more about No Holds Barred next week. But, I mean, we pretty much fucking done it this week, haven't we, I mean, we're going through the the plot next week, beat by beat. Yeah, yeah, we'll be discussing line for line, just reading off No Holds Barred. I could do that. I think I've seen that movie more than almost any other movie. Never seen Citizen Kane. I've seen No Holds Barred at least 12 times. Who needs to see fucking Citizen Lame when you can watch Rip fucking... Rip, 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 Rip. Yeah, does he have a brother named Randy who gets beaten up? Of course. Does he for so... (laughs) Does he for no reason at all have a coach... Who is a like a like an aged black gentleman that's very much just supposed to be Mickey from Rocky? Hell yeah! Does he fall in love with a woman and at one point they share a hotel room and Hulk Hogan is doing push-ups but it looks like his bum because they show his feet for some reason? Yes, that's also in the movie. Um, it's so fucking good. Yep, shows up to business meetings in full Hulk Hogan regalia, complete with a weight belt. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. All of it's, let me put it this way. This is the only time I will ever describe Hulk Hogan's clothing choices as obnoxious. That I mean, you're wrong about that. He wore a do-rag to one of his friend's I mean, wedding. He wore a fucking bandana in court and then claimed that he doesn't have a 10-inch penis. Hulk Hogan does. <laughs> So what we're going to do right now is take a break and we'll be back just in a second with more about 1988. Fuck you. Hey, Dylan, have you ever thought about giving us money because we fucking do a good fucking job for these fucking ungrateful fans? They're all pieces of shit. Every fucking week, we take time to research this show, then forget most of it and talk about who would like to come on? Yeah. And by, I think that deserves money. And by we, we mean a guy we've met a few times, and he needs money because I keep promising to pay him, but then I say, no, haven't earned it. Why? <laughs> yeah. I spend the money on candy and hummus separately. I, I don't I don't dip the candy in hummus. That would be a Old taste. Snickers sensei. Bar Hummus Hastings over here needs money. Patreon.com backslash wrestler review. 
or rate and subscribe on iTunes or do both. And here's another one. Fucking shut the fuck up, buddy. Yeah. Right now, are you talking? Are you talking? Are you talking to me? Where are you listening on? Were you doing dishes? Turn, fucking turn, break all your dishes, you fucking bitch. Yeah. <laughs> shut your cock washer and use your fucking dick grabbers to give us some fucking money. Welcome back, Dylan. Let's back up, talk about WrestleMania 4's uh, like, uh, first plan winner, who was... Yes, we have a patented wrestler review oversight. John, the first review, uh, winner was, as we were talking about briefly, the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. And you know what? <laughs> why didn't he Why didn't he win? Because Honky Talk Man refused to lose the Intercontinental <laughs> Championship title. That's how fucking important the Honky Talk Man was. He would not job to fucking the macho bitch Randy who gives a shit because goddamn he's not he's gonna shake rattle and roll all over that fucking rat fuck. And you know who he claims saved his job because Vince was gonna fire him. Who? Dick Ebersol. Dick Ebersol was like, you can't lose Honky Tonk Man. That guy pops the ratings. <laughs> and, and I honky tonk and man. I, honky tonk man. I also believe it because Dick Ebersol openly, supposedly, and Honky will say this about himself, and it's very rare for Honky to talk about someone talking about him negatively dick ebersall was like i think honky tonk man's a goof and a fucking wild card and he shouldn't be in your company people want to fucking see him you gotta fucking keep him around just fucking yeah if he doesn't want to lose the title to macho man fuck him don't have him lose the title to macho man that's fucking insane isn't that fucking great and by the way why did honky don't want to lose the title to uh, macho man randy savage according to honky tonk man <laughs> why not because fuck savage that is fucking fantastic oh i love wrestling so much yeah so and also by the way and a lot of people have said this it would have made wrestlemania 4 such a weird ending because it would have been a bad guy winning but vince mcmahon still wanted hulk hogan to go out and pose well all you do is you fucking chase him off and then hogan poses yeah it would have and you play the and then you play the music they do that so many times where it's like the bad guy won, but he's going to get his day. He may have escaped this time, but Hogan's right on his hot on his fucking tail. It's so crazy to me, and it does really outline how different wrestling is now that they would do that much just because a guy held the title. Yeah. Like, now they needed to protect the title at all costs. Like, now they just stripped the title off of Sami Zayn because Vince McMahon finally found out that he has some Islamic heritage. Yeah, why did they I strip the title off Sami Zayn? Oh, because he he uh, probably because he he doesn't want to put his family at risk by performing during a uh, global. Pandemic. Oh yeah, that's probably it. Sami Zayn's probably like, um, yeah, my I don't want to leave my house because I've been told by everyone. And Vince was like, "What? You're you're a fucking? Why aren't you like fucking Paul Heyman?" He's like, "Oh, I'm not a rat fuck. That's why." Oh, okay, you're fired. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah, I mean. We'll get back to 1980, obviously, but I always thought it was crazy how like openly woke Sami Zayn was while <laughs> being in WWE. I'm like, you can't do this. This is why Seth Rollins is going to have your spot forever, because he just is like, um, Vince drowned that baby because he tried to baptize it too hard because he loves God. Yeah, like I guarantee that so, like Becky Lynch got pregnant and for Seth Rollins to maintain being the main eventer, Vince was like, sign this contract. And he was like, what's it saying? He goes... Oh, it says that as soon as your baby comes out, it has to go and compete on 205 Live. Yeah, fine, Vince. There you go. <laughs> it says legally that you will not, you will, you are the baby's father, but that legally you won't be its father. Yeah, yeah. It says legally that baby is our new hornswoggle. <laughs> you, you, you have to go, you have to miss every birthday, and that's even if you leave the company. <laughs> There's an NDA on that. 
Just trying to toughen it. Uh, SummerSlam in August. Hot. The 29th of August. 900,000 buys. WrestleMania 4, of course, gets just over uh, 500,000. That is insane. This really shows that, like, people were just pumped up for wrestling things back then. And WrestleMania, weirdly, like, if it's any other TV show or entertainment product, you legitimately just take a year off of WrestleMania because of the peak of 1987 because you can't really top it. Also, who almost debuted at SummerSlam 1988? Ric Flair. Ric Flair almost debuted. Was having huge problems with Dusty Rhodes. Almost fucking signed the contract. Holy shit. I... I maintain one of the many big blunders Ric Flair has ever made. He should, If he had debuted right then, Jim Crockett is dead. WCW never gets off the ground. Vince McMahon enters into the ruthless aggression era in the early 90s, and we see a <laughs> Colonel Kurtz level of megalomania mid-90s like I've never seen. Steroid trial, would, <laughs> steroid trial would end with Vince McMahon not getting neck surgery, but getting dick enlargement surgery, and just showing the jury his penis. Yeah, I think I did... It's, this ain't steroids. I'm very glad from, a, obviously, from like a wrestling fan perspective that Vi Ric Flair did not leave because you get maybe the best year of Ric Flair's career in 1989 with the matches against Funk and Steam. Oh, yeah, baby. And the fact that like they would have been put a microphone in his hand and been like, hey, Rick, 1988, just uh, it's a family friendly show. And he would have just gone out there, said, I'm Ric Flair, and then opened his mouth and had a stroke and died <laughs> because I couldn't imagine him doing a promo that wasn't like, I have a ton of money. I'm going to fuck all these fucking losers. I mean, but he basically did that in 1992, 91, 92. Like he's basically his promos were like, I'm going to kiss all the girls. I'm going to the hottest clubs in Indianapolis, in, uh, Indianapolis, Indianapolis, fuck me, Indianapolis, Indianapolis. Indiana. Like, when I was a kid, I thought Indianapolis was like a hot spot because Ric Flair always talked about how he was, going, <laughs> he was going there to bang. Yeah, but this is also weirdly, 1991 was uh, obviously in the era, uh, like, they're still, the, still in the golden era of the WWF as far as, like, having all these huge wrestlers under contract and stuff. But don't forget that they had just done an angle directly trying to profit off of the Gulf War. Fair. Fair point. So, like, that... You can talk about fucking getting a bit of culo when you fucking <laughs> have just been like, Iraq's fine or whatever. Or just like, people are actually dying. Ah, fuck that. <laughs> we gotta, we need a storyline. So we dug up this old guy whose gut sticks out more than anyone's gut ever. He literally has no body fat except for his gut. And he is fat as fuck. I know you're all wondering. You're wondering, I want to find a guy who runs a bait shop, but the bait is more expensive because it comes with a story. Please enter Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> Why is the price so long? Because you got to listen to me talk about how I fixed that car <laughs> and then how I fixed it too, too bad it was broke. Here's something that you didn't know. You could put a Toyota engine in a Ford, but that is the climax of the story that's about 45 minutes away. It was a Wednesday. <laughs> so we talked about Sting. We didn't talk about the other Blade Runner, who is... I didn't I didn't even think about this before we started reading the research, is that we're going to get into the fucking Ultimate Warrior era real fucking soon because the Ultimate Warrior beats the Honky Tonk Man in 27 seconds Oh, in one of the greatest decisions of the Honky Tonk Man's life where he's like, I don't want to fucking work with this guy. Just have him beat me in nine seconds, and it helps 
everyone so much. Yeah, this is also the crazy thing. Honky Tonk Man's so over as a shithead heel. Doesn't affect his career at all. Doesn't, like, he's just like, yeah, I was in the ring with that guy. And the crowd goes fucking crazy. It is the loudest reaction of this era, I feel. Because they're so fucking pumped up. They basically knew Jacket where... His music doesn't basically stop. It's dun 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 Like, this is the hottest Ultimate Warrior's ever been. And no fucking wonder they decided to put the belt on him within two years. Because if you look at him in this period, holy fucking shit. Like, like, Hogan is solidly number one. Warrior's number two. And Savage is number three. And Savage is working with Hogan. Like, it's fucking crazy. And it creates, uh, in my mind, a new type of... Re- I mean, sure, there's this type of wrestler before, but, like, just the whole package of the, like, music, pulsing, he runs out so high energy, beats a guy in nine seconds, then it's over. Like, he basically... This is Goldberg, but just Goldberg was way fucking cool. I also like to pretend that the Honky Tonk Man versus Ultimate Warrior was a battle for who's the biggest homophobe on the planet, and Ultimate Warrior unseated Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> in seconds. In seconds, yeah. You know, you've got nothing. I'm about to start a universe. I'm gonna start a university within this decade. That is. <laughs> What's the most homophobic place in the world? A bowling alley. <laughs> well, I'm starting a university over a bowling alley. <laughs> Again, yeah. And where does his wife work? WWE. Where's Vicky Guerrero? She's at home, probably really glad she doesn't have Vince McMahon walking over saying weird things about her. Hair. Ah, ah, ah. Are you like a cat? Uh, what? Oh, Vince thinks people with uh, Latino heritage are cats today. I don't know why. Okay, I'm sorry. But that's the whole thing where that's probably, I would guess, why Vicky Guerrero isn't in the WWE anymore. This is going to sound bad, but uh, I think Vince McMahon was like, and then go say on, uh, make a public statement that I just like uh, Latin people. And she's like, what? I don't understand. She's like, uh, you heard what I fucking said. We're going to have a huge press conference, and you just announced, I like Latin people. Like, I don't see how that do it, or you're fired. <laughs> okay, I quit then. I didn't see that coming. I mean, I'm going to, yeah, like, I, I don't think you do like Latin people. You, 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 refer, you kept trying to change my husband's name to Eddie George, because you're like, Glenglo. No one understands how to say that last name. You better take more steroids and pills. <laughs> that is so funny. If Eddie Guerrero came in... Just 10 years later, he would have been Eddie George. Um, (laughs) So in uh, the Survivor Series obviously happens in November. Um, This is the second year of the Survivor Series. Teams of five, strive to survive. Fuck yeah. Booyah, baby. And a perfect, another perfect uh, pay-per-view where it's like, I don't, I honestly don't think that, I mean, they've arrived at this now, but like, it sounds weird, but. You have these gimmick pay-per-views such as the Royal Rumble, such as the Survivor Series that are, I think the difference in the Royal Rumble and the Survivor Series and why they work so well versus a pay-per-view like Money in the Bank. Um, I mean, Money in the Bank is actually the exception. Hell, Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell is the, the main, I would say yeah, the main Hell in a Cell yeah. is like you've scheduled... You ske- or TLC, you've scheduled blow-off matches, so now you have to have these feuds be blow-off matches so everyone knows that you're going to end the feud that time versus Survivor Series or Royal Rumble. Or, I mean, Money in the Bank is a recent example where these are jumping-off points more than uh, final. Like, and that's what you... 
it doesn't you can schedule a jumping off point and everyone will be excited but if you if you schedule an end to it it just seems really regimented and then you've kind of hampered yourself as far as how long the story can be i could not agree more I love this iteration of the Survivor Series because it also plays on that fun old school wrestling belief that all the good guys are friends and all the bad guys are friends. So the teams are really easy to put together. And also it gives us an opportunity, especially moving forward, to see a variety of drug abusers have to do interviews together. Nothing better in the world. <laughs> And it was fun because they named themselves oh, just for one course. night only. Yes, you get the Hulkamaniacs, the Million Dollar Men, the Hacksaws. What were the, what were the Warriors called? The Ultimate Warrior, Road Warriors, and Carrie Von Eric. What are they called? Oh, yeah, they were called uh, Pills and Roids. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they were called Dead Before 60. <laughs> the We're Gonna Die Soons plus Animal. Yeah, no need to save plus a man that should just shave his fucking head. Yeah, just a guy who works out and three psychos. Yeah. <laughs> so the biggest actual moneymaker for this year uh, was... What's this? All right, well, I'm going to read this off. Let's see. Um, they have a fight. As I mentioned off, they buy the rights. $9.5 million Titan Entertainment pays to... Woo! to um show sugar ray leonard just some another sugar ray leonard comeback fight this one against danny lalonde the we all know who danny lalonde is of course oh, yes here. of course the white devil <laughs> the gross revenues of 19.5 million and net profit of just under 10 million out of 9.5 billion homes, they had a 6.8% uh, 6 buy rate. This was of Jim Troy. Jim Troy, of course, is Vince's right-hand man and keeps him in the wrestling-adjacent game. This was There was approximately another 1 million for closed-circuit television, another 2 million uh, from foreign rights. So that is quite the fucking haul for Vince McMahon. Literally, he doesn't need the money. He just wants to. He just wants to have more money so he can buy an island where he kills people on it. I assume. I. Yeah, I like this is crazy. This is basically he's lavishing huge amounts of gifts and money on Linda. This is when he starts getting hundred dollar haircuts every ten days. Um, this is when uh, he um, is buying like crazy houses. He expands apparently his house in Connecticut. Some fun stuff we've learned recently from other wrestling podcasts is that Vince walks around his own house and not know does not know who else is there ever, which just I love that story so much. The idea that they're they have a couple that lives at their mansion that their job is basically to maintain it, which is clearly a Linda McMahon innovation of like, I just need someone I just need some love in this fucking house while I'm raising my children. Cause I know if I just expose them only to my husband, they're just gonna be essentially two Daniel Plain views from the movie There Will Be Blood. Well, and it's also uh, such a McMahon thing where it's like, rather than pay for a maid where you pay for them and they live there, let's just get some of these fucking 20-year-olds to live in our sweet house and then we don't have to do shit. It's free labor. Yeah, apparently Linda McMahon in, in... They probably pay... They probably... If you can... Oh, no, feel free to take some of our food, but there's a price. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's like... They, we just take... We just... At the end of the day... At the end of the month, they get a bill for how much food they ate. 
I thought water was free. Water is not free. Hogan and Andre, by the way, still fucking a big draw. 25,000 people attend WrestleFest in Milwaukee. Um, this is the build-up to the premiere of the third of a big four, which is SummerSlam, which we've already covered, which was headlined not by Ric Flair debuting, but Savage and Hogan against Andre the Giant and Ted DiBiase. Again, more groundwork is laid for the Mega Powers, which was the brainchild of Pat Patterson and Bruce Pritchard. And why do I bring up Bruce Pritchard? Because Bruce Pritchard has very much come aboard the fold, ladies and gentlemen, between 1987 and 1988. Strap in for a guy that's got a gun, even though he's in a workplace, it's Uncle fucking Toucher himself, the Champagne Kid, Bruce. I don't like <laughs> Uncle Toucher. <laughs> I don't like Dave Meltzer, Pritchard. Um, very fun times. What a time this is, ladies and gentlemen. Bruce Pritchard debuts Brother Love. Bruce Pritchard is hated by Paul Bosch and sends uh, Paul Bosch the WWF magazine with himself on the cover to be like, you got me here, this was my dream, and Paul Bosch sends the envelope back opened, apparently. He opened, looked at it, put it back in the envelope, taped it, and sent it back to Bruce Pritchard, which is cold-blooded, holy fucking shit. <laughs> but this is so interesting because Vince McMahon, Jim Troy is off, I don't know how much he had to do with, the, the certainly, the Sugar Ray Leonard fight, that he had to do with that but he just kind of does that and then just doesn't revisit it which is fascinating it's almost like he's not good with success outside of anything but wrestling he's like oh you could be like a boxing promoter you could be like the next don king and he's like no i don't want to do that don cares well he just wants to do something that's like so wrestling like he has he doesn't really want to do sports he wants to do fucking this is what No Holds Barred is, and this is probably why the Mega Powers was such a good storyline, is because he's off writing No Holds Barred with Hulk Hogan, trying to become huge, an actual movie star, making his own movie studio. Um, and then, like you said, Bruce Pritchard and Pat Patterson just make what is widely known as one of the best wrestling stories because of all time. Because, again, the, the WWF is the best when they're taking high-level production values and the best wrestlers and combining them with old territorial storyline tricks. And that is when they've made their most money, that's when they've gotten their most critical acclaim, is literally just like, this guy's the working man, that guy is the rich guy. Rich guys are bad, working man good. Go ahead. This guy wants... <laughs> this psychopath doesn't want people to fuck his wife. This other psychopath wants to fuck his wife. Ladies and gentlemen, and it is... Looking back at the Maker Powers exploding, it is the most foreshadowing thing of what brought Hulk Hogan, like finally down from lovable family man to racist Florida man, or well, racist Flo man from Florida. Like that's the thing. It took until two the 2010s for us to all to realize you can dress him up in as much red and yellow as you want, but you've all been cheering for the most Florida boy that Florida ever Florided. Please welcome Terry. Hide your wives. I don't like those people. Balea. Like, it's fucking crazy. Like, well, this is the other thing where it's like, the, what's, the, what's the next most critically acclaimed year in the history of professional wrestling? That is 2001, where Vince McMahon is off to try and make the XFL. Yeah. Every time Vince McMahon, all the characters are set in place, and then he just leaves the wheel to someone else. The WWF does fucking great because work. Because in the end, and, and Dave Meltzer has said this until the fucking cows come home, and it's true, Vince McMahon's strength is promotion. He's the best promoter. Yeah, he's the greatest promoter of all time, but he can't write worth a fucking no, shit. He's, 
And the problem is, is that he thinks that they're the same thing. Vince McMahon's an amazing waiter. That doesn't mean he means he knows how to cook, but he believes that he can. That, my friends, is an analogy. John, what's your favorite thing about 1988? No holds barred. No holds barred by a fucking country mile. That comes out in 89. It's filmed in 88. So the filming of No Holds Barred was better than the I, movie? As you know, the wrestler review is built on cum, and the filming of, wrestler, uh, <laughs> of No Holds Barred is the fattest load in cinema. It's chunky. I it's think tasty. It, <laughs> if, it, if it was on an, an, a person's face, they would need two full beach towels just to get it down to a manageable <laughs> state. And having Stan Hansen just in the movie where it's like, it shows how little Vince, like what that old story where Vince McMahon was asked who were his favorite uh, football players of all time, and he said one of them was Chief J. Strongbow. No, Wahoo it was McDaniel. Wahoo McDaniel was one of And it was like, he just does not know anything about football. He did not know anything about football whatsoever. And that's like, oh, we need someone to like be intimidating. Well, we have all these actors. Just get Stan Hansen. Well, but it's also the, 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 uh, the, the main reason is because Stan Hansen is, is a friend of Hulk Hogan's. And I, I actually yeah. think that the reason why Stan never came into the Fed is Stan Hansen, even if you watch shooter interviews, he comes across as this really educated, wily businessman who was like, uh, Japanese people are afraid of Americans because one day we dropped a bomb on them. So I go over there and act like a lunatic from America and I will make $1 million. Yep, I can do that. Totally fine. Great. Um, I guarantee Stan's like, I'm not going to work in fucking... The WWF, where you will show the footage of Hogan beating me soundly, and that'll affect me where I'm mm -hmm. making my money. So I'll just yeah, that's totally. I'll it. just be friends with Hulk Hogan. I'll just be his friend and not worry about it. Yeah, uh, I think the best thing about 1988 was probably WrestleMania four. Oddly, I think that's also the worst thing about 1988 because as good as that pay per view was, they did it in front of the wrong audience, and it's like. I can't imagine at that point where Randy Savage gets his big moment and first of all, there's interference from Hulk Hogan, so you get that stink on it, and secondly, that it's in front of a crowd that just like, they pop, but they don't like go nuts like they should. Um, I'm going to say that the worst part of 1988 is Vince McMahon becoming friends with Donald Trump. <laughs> That's probably the worst thing for the world, yes. Yeah, the, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you can hear that, but my England cell phone is going off, so I'm going to get off the... You have a fax machine. Yeah, I got a, I got a, I got a fucking telefax coming in, baby. Um, God damn it, one second. Here's what... Uh, there we No! There, you broke it. I did. I broke it with my dick. I uh, broke my iPhone with my dick. That's how heavy it is. The worst part for me of 1988 is the meeting of, of Vince McMahon and Donald Trump. Because this leads to the Linda McMahon finally getting to American government. This leads to Vince McMahon thinking he's legitimate. This leads to Vince McMahon being able to get wrestling declared an essential service in Florida. This leads to Vince McMahon being a pow the, the most power-hungry old man. And this will that friendship it will be, mark my fucking words, will be the end of the McMahon-owned WWE at some point. And it caused COVID-19 and internment And camps. also Vince McMahon is QAnon. I don't know if you guys know that, but he's queuing on. <laughs> yeah, and they came up with Quidby or whatever that app is that sucks. Oh, yeah, they came up with, with Quibi, Jeffrey Katzenberg's app that so many people in this town uh, 
were part of and every time i heard pitches for it and i'm like that's not gonna last that's the that's the friendster ladies and gentlemen of online streaming services oh boy thanks very much for watching guys for watching jesus christ for listening guys we're on twitter at wrestler review we're on instagram at wrestler review we're on tiktok because we're both 12 at wrestler review and you can get us on patreon patreon.com backslash wrestler review patreon.com backslash wrestler review there's nothing else to say you know what take a dump get it all hard shove it back in your butt <laughs> that's where it belongs Ladies and gentlemen very penis